This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 124, for Monday, October 14, 2013. Uh, So, Jason, anything new on TV this week that you want to talk about? Uh, Let's see. We had... uh, There was that one show on last night. I forget the name of it. Something about people lined up to get into a prison. Yeah, I something I caught a little bit of it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it didn't seem interesting, so I turned it off and yeah. moved on to uh, The Walking Dead, <laughs> which is back on TV for season four. Finally, is it just me, or did see the season four premiere feel like the biggest premiere since season one? And I mean, before you saw it, like just the hype and what was going on on the internet and. Everything leading up to it. I don't know if you were paying attention, but I certainly was. And it felt bigger than season two or three. You know, I was, seemed like the excitement level amongst the fans was bigger than it has been in three years or two years. It's hard for me to gauge because I'm I'm just so excited myself that it just eclipses all other outside excitement. Uh, so it, it's hard for me to hard for me to tell, really. Yeah, I well, I was following on Twitter and on Facebook, and I've been posting, and I was tweeting a lot more in the last couple of days than I have in a while. To our well, congratulations, uh, thanks, man, thanks. <laughs> and uh, it just, I just felt like there was there was a palpable excitement that was that was happening out there, and it's exciting every year when this show comes back. But this, I don't know. I think everyone took it up a notch this year, and they were just going for it. So. There, there are notches. There are notches of excitement, and it was up at least one notch this year. At least year. one notch. Click. Yeah, exactly. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Maybe not to 11, but it was definitely getting close. So we are back to our regular format this week. We will be recapping the uh, Season 4 premiere. We'll also be doing some other stuff, including the return of Holy Crap, Did You See That? Oh, yeah, we'll be announcing the winner of our short story contest. Also, exciting. very exciting. And uh, we have, for the first time, uh, well, we have a couple of announcements that I'll get to in a second. And the first time, we kind of have a correction. A correction? Yeah, you know how newspapers publish corrections once in a while? Yeah, way in the back somewhere. Sure. Well, we're gonna we're gonna front load the show with our correction. <laughs> That's nice of us. It's not really technically a correction, but we'll get that to us. To, we'll get to that in a second. The first thing is that I do need to wish you a, a national, happy National Cake Decorating Day. Oh, Cake Decorating Day! This is uh, actually this is actually tomorrow. It's not today, but by the time anyone hears this, it'll be tomorrow. So, which, which nation? Uh, that would be the America nation. Oh, okay, so it's the U.S. The U.S. National Cake Decorating Day. Bakery and cake decoration are popular hobbies. Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess baking and cake decoration are popular hobbies. (laughs) And uh, Cake Decorating Day is all about going wild. Cupcake culture suggests that we all need to be making edible cake structures, monuments, and sculptures. But sometimes sprinkles and edible ball bearings are much more fun. Let your imagination run wild. Edible ball bearings. That's the description from National Cake uh, Decorating Day. So I was just going. Hopefully they're not stainless steel. No, they're not. Those aren't really edible. (laughs) 
Well, they kind of are, depending on, like, they're round, which means they're not going to really hurt you. And if they're small enough, it's not like you can digest them. So you're just going to pass them, right? Mm, I don't so recommend it. If they're clean and they don't have any oil on them or anything, I think that uh, a small ball bearing is completely edible. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, a, a friend of mine's son recently almost swallowed a loony. Yeah. And uh, it kind of got stuck a little bit. Now, he's fine. He didn't choke. Uh, but it was stuck part way. He ended up vomiting it up, which is fine. But the doctor at the hospital said, we've either got to get him to regurgitate the loony or get it to go down. And if it goes down, he'll just pass it. And I thought about that. And it didn't doesn't strike me as a very fun thing to do, passing a loony. But a ball bearing is so no. small that you're right. You might not even notice it. Well, depending on the size. I mean, you could get a, you know, three and a half inch ball bearing. I wouldn't want to eat one of those, but, you know, a nice eighth of an inch ball bearing, I think you'd be fine. Yeah. Now, well, this is not a recommendation. I just think that uh, as far as, you know, it depends on what the meaning of edible is. Do you have to be able to digest it or <laughs> do you have to just be able to pass it without hurting yourself? All right. Well, I d that's a good question. But as far as cake decorating day goes, let's stick with cake, cupcakes and stuff like that. Eat those. Yeah. Eat those, digest them, enjoy and make your own. Decorate a cake tomorrow and have a great, good old time. And please, please stay away from eating ball bearings. Oh, please. Just it's in general. Not a good idea. Yeah. All right. So one more announcement. Uh, oh, I also actually want to say that now that we're back to, you know, our regular format, The Walking Dead is on, There's we may have listeners returning to the show. I know there's, you know, some people who stick with us all summer when we're not talking about new episodes. And a big thank you to those people for sticking around. Um, and I just want to say welcome back to anybody who listens just when The Walking Dead is on, uh, is actually on TV. That's cool too. Um, so welcome back to you folks. Hopefully you're tuning in again. And if, I think if this is your first time ever tuning in, hopefully you've made it this far through the cake and ball bearing discussion. Um, but, but welcome. And just so you know, what we usually do is we, re we record on Monday evenings. We recap the latest episode that just aired the night before. And, uh, you know, hopefully you stick around and check us out. So to all the old listeners, welcome back, or good to have you with us still. And to anyone that's new, thanks for checking us out. I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And then the big announcement, or one of the big announcements. And uh, Jason and I forgot to even tell you this, but we got shirts. We're gonna Shirts? Just, we got shirts for sale. I put them officially up for sale last night. I'm going to the website right now. If you want to get a Talking Dead podcast t-shirt, you now have the opportunity to go and purchase one. So it's uh, the, the shirt features our uh, handphones logo, which uh, if you've been to our site, you've seen, or if you've seen anything I've posted on Facebook, it's there. It's kind of zombie hands that look like headphones, which were illustrated by friend of the show, Dave, from pretty much day one. He did some really great work for us. So we've put those on a shirt. It is our limited edition season four t-shirt. It will be available for the duration of The Walking Dead season four. We kind of, I kind of think about this podcast in seasons in a way too. You know, we're well, starting yeah. our fourth season now. And um, it's it's up there on our, on our site. <laughs> it's up on the shite. It's on, a, <laughs> on our shite site. That reminds me, I need to fix the website. Um <laughs> If you go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash shirts, well, that'll get you to the page where it is. Uh, or you can go directly to redbubble.com slash people slash the talking dead. 
And that is where you can order our shirt. Comes in a variety of colors, styles. It's all up to you. And they will ship it right to your door. This is great. I'm looking at like hoodie or a hoodie with a zipper, long sleeve, base, baseball, three-quarter sleeve. There is uh, all kinds of options. Yeah. Um, so if, if you want to get one of those, just head over there and, and do that. We, I mean, you know, there's no secret. We get a small cut from sales, but we're not out to make a ton of money here. Just uh, we've, I've had people, you know, write in and say, is there shirts? Is there anything I can get? you know, to help support you guys. And this is one way to do it. The, the, the little bit of cash that we'll bring in from this will just go right back into hosting costs or, you know, just general costs associated with running the podcast. So um, if that's something you want to do, that's totally cool. Go pick up a shirt. If not, totally understand that as well. And, you know, as time goes on, I'll probably put more stuff up, uh, up for sale there for shirts and so on if uh if we get um different designs or something like that so this is this is just the first of many i hope i'm buying a shirt right now all right very good um they ship all over the world i should say it seemed to take a little while to get it to canada or uh, i guess if you're outside the u.s it, it all has to do with crossing the border and going through customs it was a little bit annoying but um Hopefully other countries are a bit quicker than getting it up here. And if you're in the States, I imagine it'll come very, very quickly. So just so you know. Um, all righty. Now on to the correction, if you can call it that. All right. What did I say that was wrong? No, uh, it, it wasn't you. So it's more of a something that's really, really annoying me than a correction, so to speak. Okay. Last week on the podcast, uh, we recommended an audiobook. Uh, during our Audible segment in the middle. As anyone who's been listening for a while knows that this podcast is brought to you by Audible. And we always recommend a book, as do many shows. And last week, because our podcast came out the day, uh, or around the time that the final book in the Governor Trilogy was released, we decided to recommend that one. Well, unbeknownst to us at the time... The book that was released last Tuesday is actually only the first part of the third book in the Governor Trilogy. Oh, they pulled a Harry Potter. Uh, well, yeah. The, what You mean in the movies, the movies they broke? Yeah. yeah, they broke it into multiple parts. So they've released uh, Fall of the Governor Part 1. Part 2 is not coming out until March. And the reason I'm bringing this up is just because we didn't know at the time. We The first two books were released as single books all at once, you know, on the same day. And it wasn't clear on the Audible site or really anywhere else I looked that this was only part one of the book. And once I found this out, I kind of got upset because it just feels like the publisher and or whoever's responsible for this is just trying to not really dupe people, but break it up into multiple parts so you have to pay twice for one book and they make twice as much money. Yeah, well, the same thing happened with Lord of the Rings, right? Like Tolkien originally meant it to be one book, but then when he got it to, gave it to the publishers, uh, they basically said, whoa, this is a really long book. I think we need to break it up into multiple parts. Well, yeah, but, uh, okay, but that was done in the original release of those that story, right? In the, yeah. In this case... You know, all along we've had the marketing say that this is the Governor Trilogy. This is the Governor's story in three parts. We got part one, we got part two, or sorry, we got book one, we got book two, and now we have part one of book three, right. which you, if you, you know, you pay for 
on Audible or in hardcover in physical form. And then in March, you pay for again to get the final the final part of it. And I just want to read this uh, quote from the uh, Brendan Deneen, who is the editor. And, and this just kind of made me even more mad. He said, <laughs> when the draft for the third and final book in the Governor series, The Fall of the Governor, came in, it was much too long to be published as one book. But we knew, Robert, Jay, and I, that fans of the series would want the whole story, the governor's story in full, as raw as possible, and as true to Robert's vision as we could get it. And that's the book Robert and Jay handed in, the governor in all his glory till the bitter end. So we made the tough but ultimately necessary decision to split the conclusion into two parts, the first available now and the second picking back up in March with the terrifying concluding pages in this series. The reason that pissed me off is because there is absolutely no valid reason I can think of for releasing this in two parts just because it was too long. I mean, long books are released all the time by Stephen King yeah. or um, uh, the Game of Thrones books. You know, on Audible, the, some of those books are 35 hours long. The Fall of the Governor Part 1 is uh, under 10. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I just, I can't buy any of this crap that it was too long and we had to release it in two parts. There's no... There's no conceivable logic to me in that. There's no reason they should have done this. And it just feels like they're they're just screwing over the people that are buying their products and paying their salaries. And that's us and everyone else who goes out to uh, to to read these books and purchase them. Um, I'm not trying to speak negatively against Audible. They're still great. They have lots of content. And this has nothing to do with them. They simply release the book that, you know, is provided to them. It's the editor, it's Robert Kirkman, it's uh, anyone involved in making this decision that, in my opinion, just screws over loyal fans. Well, how do you really feel about it? Like, stop beating around the bush there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I went to the uh, Walking Dead Novels Facebook page and I basically posted this same message a little more succinctly. And uh, no response from them, but um, a few a few people commented on my post and said, you know, agreed that they had no idea that this was the case. And um, some people are going to wait to get both. I imagine there's probably some people that won't get it at all. Uh, but you got to go and make your own decision. Anyways, the reason I've gone on this rant is just because we recommended it last week as if it was the full final book, and it's not. So that's that. I bought it. On Audible, yeah. Have you you haven't have you started it, it yet? I listened to the first five minutes and then decided that I would wait because we're not giving a review of it until uh, during the hiatus, right? Yeah. So I I decided to uh, to wait. Yeah. Well, I I haven't got it yet, but again, because we review these books and we discuss them on the show, I will be picking it up. Um, but uh, at this point, maybe we'll wait until both are out and do our review next summer. That seems to make more logical sense. You think so? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to discuss half a book. You know? Well, but yeah, that's true. Hell, if if this was if if they hadn't gone on about this being a trilogy from the beginning and and it ended up being four books, I I wouldn't be sitting here complaining about it right now because it would have just been what it is. But uh it's it's the way it was presented, the way it was handled and just rubs me the wrong way this whole this whole thing. It does feel a little uh a little bad yeah. i feel bad 
Yeah. So that's that. Uh, let us know what you think. Send us an email at talkingdebpodcast at gmail.com. I'd be interested to know if you folks out there are as concerned about this as I am. Because it does seem to be a trend, not only in books, but in TV too, you know, breaking up seasons and so on. Um, and, you know, you might ask why I'm not, I don't rant about The Walking Dead being split into two halves. Um, I think the difference is just that they kind of go in from the beginning saying we're going to do half the season now and half the season later. And there's no, you know, maybe it's a money-making thing, but there's no there's no there's no wool being pulled over the viewer's eyes they say this is how we're going to do it and that's that it doesn't just show up all of a sudden then it stops and we're like oh but we're gonna come back later you know and uh sucks to be you kind of thing so all righty let's put that behind us now you got that off your chest everything's good i do i i feel better now and uh that's that all right jason are you ready to talk about season four episode one i'm so ready so ready Okay, this episode is called 30 Days Without an Accident. Nice. Cold open. Rick, we see him coming out of the prison, sort of going about his day. Uh, He stops to drink some fresh water that has been gathering in a rain barrel, it looks like. And he heads down to the field to do some farming. He's uh, listening to music on headphones, which I thought was interesting. It is fun. I guess they've got enough juice in the prison to uh, charge an iPod or something like that for him. It's probably a tape cassette player. Or something like that. Still needs batteries, though. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I guess they have a supply of batteries, maybe. Um, There's a lot of zombies gathering at the gate, and he's got the headphones on to drown out the noise. Yeah, that would be very annoying to farm with that kind of noise going on. Well, to do anything, really, to just be walking around all day long with that constant zombie groaning and moaning noise around you. I I don't blame the guy for wanting to at least wear earplugs. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I guess they feel pretty safe in there because he's not worried about not hearing something you know not hearing an attack or something like that i'd be worried about that i'm worried about that right now well i I got headphones on yeah you never know who might sneak up behind you that's right (laughs) well it occurred to me while i was watching it you know maybe he should he should know he should be aware of what's around him but i guess they're feeling pretty comfortable in the prison now so he's tilling the dirt and uh he finds a gun buried in there yeah he digs it up now i wonder whose gun is this and, and what's it doing there? And Rick didn't seem all that surprised to find it. So do you think it's do you think it's of any consequence or is it just a gun that's been buried there for years potentially? I think it's a gun that's been buried there uh, for a while. I For some reason, my brain just assumed that it was uh, either a guard or a prisoner that, uh, that buried that gun there in a escape plan of some kind. Yeah, so the prisoners were out having, you know, yard time or something and one of them buried a gun as as ridiculous as that sounds i mean what are the odds that uh, a prisoner is going to get an actual you know semi-automatic firearm in their possession and and be able to bury it someplace yeah no that that wasn't a yard though was it that was just a uh that was just the field between the outer fence and the prison right like that wasn't an exercise yard or anything no i don't think so um so it could have been from a prisoner it could have been from uh you know before our uh our our survivors found it found the place that somebody dropped it and it got buried somehow. Yeah. I just, uh, I didn't get the impression that it was, you know, they're not digging up the uh, cemetery that they've, they've 
started. <laughs> no, that would be silly. And I don't think that uh, I don't think it's somebody else that would have buried it there. Well, like I didn't. One of their group. Yeah, unless it comes back and it, it does have a role in the story this season. But Rick didn't seem too surprised. He just kind of took the clip out of it and tossed it in a wheelbarrow. So he uh, he seemed to just move on. I think we're probably meant to as the audience as well. I found uh, it interesting that a police officer would toss a firearm. Well, he took, even though it, you took the clip out, sure, but you know, you still you treat them with respect. He didn't uh, check the chamber to see if it was loaded. Do like you if think it was around in the chamber? Do you think a, a gun buried in the dirt for that long would still fire, though? I think that uh, a gun buried in the dirt for that long might have its barrel filled with uh, with dirt. But I think the if it's been you know cocked, the firing pin might hit the bullet, and if that or hit the uh, the blasting cap or whatever it's called, and if that happens, the whole thing's just going to explode. Right. Which is bad. Which is also bad. That's true. So tossing it, I don't think, is probably the safest thing to do. <laughs> uh, Rick's, he's just not a very good cop. He's just, uh, I, I think it's a, a testament to how he feels at this point. He su- has such a disdain for firearms. Like, this will come out a little bit later in the episode, but mm-hmm. spoiler alert, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he has such a disdain for firearms that he just doesn't care. Yeah, well, later on... Um... You know, Herschel has to convince him to take his gun with him when he goes out of the of the prison. Yeah, which is kind of unusual. But yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So, but just before the opening credits, though, uh, Rick takes a long look at a zombie who's at the fence, who looks like his eyes are bleeding or or missing or both. The, the front of his eyes seem to be missing. Yeah, it was, it was pretty nasty. So we go to opening credits. When we come back, Carl comes walking down. Rick's still there in the farm. And uh, Rick mentions that Carl was up all night reading comics with a flashlight, so nice. he didn't he didn't wake him up to come help farm in the morning. Also has batteries. Uh, yeah, he has a flashlight. Batteries that's, are not a problem. Here. That's true. They seem to be not a problem. I I don't know. Maybe a prison would have a big stock of batteries on hand, or they're well, getting they them have, on runs too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is uh, you know you go to any kind of store anywhere, they're going to have a large stockpile of batteries. Which last years most of the time. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, so Carl and Rick stand around and talk about naming the pigs. They have pigs on their farm. Yay. And uh, at first, uh, Rick is like, they're not piglets, they're food. <laughs> so don't name them. Don't name the food. Don't name the food. And uh, But it, I think what it showed this scene showed me is that Carl and Rick, at least right now, seem to be getting along pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're the father-son issues they uh, have had or will be having don't seem to be coming out, at least in this scene. There there seemed to be, there there was a, you know, lightheartedness to it, playful aspect to it, and they seem to be getting along pretty well here. Um, so next we cut to Daryl and Carol talking about how all the new people uh, look up to him. <laughs> they, right. They think he's a he's a pretty pretty great guy. But hey, Carol, Daryl. yeah, and and Carol jokes that uh, she saw him first, or I think she said, "I loved you first. Uh, I something. liked you first. Right. <laughs> so uh, she's there was a lot of relationship stuff in this episode, but she, yeah. but I couldn't quite gather whether or not those two have come together as a couple or are doing anything, or if she's just kind of teasing him about it. I think that might be what the case is. I got the impression that they're just friends and that it's a platonic friendship and she's just kind of teasing him about it. Yeah, that's sort of the feeling I had too, but maybe we'll find out more uh, as we go on. Um, 
and and before uh, before they walk off, so Patrick is there too now. Patrick, yep. new character Patrick, and he thanks Mister Dixon as he calls him for bringing <laughs> back a deer. <laughs> I just wanted to shake your hand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just wanted to shake your hand, which was really funny. And then uh, Carol and Daryl walk off, and they walk they walk off, and they talk about the zombies. How many of them are, are gathering at the fence? And uh, Carol says it's manageable, but it's getting out of hand. And I kind of got that feeling by looking at it. There was some wide aerial shots of an awful lot of zombies moving to the fence, sort of grouping up and pushing onto it. Yep. Um, Carol also calls him Pookie. Yes, which she does. Speaking of being cute. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe there is something going on there. I don't really know. Back inside the prison, we get a scene of Glenn and Maggie in bed together uh, he's looking kind of distressed, and he tells her that she shouldn't go on today's run, uh, that she doesn't have to go. And I don't know about you, Jason, but this scene pretty strongly hinted to me that maybe Maggie was pregnant. Yeah, actually, before, like, as soon as the, the scene opened and, and, and he said, I don't think you should go, uh, my wife said, what, is she pregnant? Yeah, well, that's the first thing everyone in this house thought too, and yeah. and then at the end of the scene, Maggie's like, "Don't." She said something like, "Don't worry, everything's going to work out fine." So you don't, you know, you don't really get a feeling here for whether or not she is or she isn't, or if that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? Yeah. Um, and again, more later in the episode, kind of reveals the true nature of what's going on here. But uh, there was a lot of speculation online before this episode aired that Maggie actually may be or be getting pregnant in this uh, in this season. That's still true. Yeah, still very true. Uh, we never know what might happen. So we go out to the zombies at the fence, and there's a bunch of people out there, including Karen from Woodbury, stabbing zombies through the fence with various implements. And Tyrese walks up, and he tells her that he hates killing zombies at the fence because it's too personal. Yeah. And uh, that instead of doing that, he's going to go on the run for supplies today. And then they kiss. So now we've got the Tyrese and Karen relationship blossoming. Yep. <laughs> we go to the group that's about to go out on a run for supplies. They're loading up the car. And it is Daryl, Zach, Sasha, Glenn, and Tyrese. And uh, Zach, of course, is a new character who we saw in the trailer a little bit. And uh, Beth walks up. And then her and Zach start making out. Yeah. So Beth's got a boyfriend too now. It seems like all these new people have just blossomed into all these nice relationships. Yep. It sounds, <laughs> it's very relationshipy kind of episode. It kind of was. Um, so he's going out on the run, but she won't say goodbye because, well, she just doesn't want to, I guess. She thinks everything's going to be fine for Zach and her. Um, Bob at that point walks up and says he wants to start pulling his weight by going on the run. Uh, and we find out that Bob's been there for a week and he was found on his own by Daryl. So Bob is already part of the group. He's been around a week, uh, but he hasn't really had much to do yet. And he wants to start pulling his weight and no one's, or Sasha anyways, isn't quite sure. She's like, you know, we, we, you haven't been there that long. We need to know that you're with us, that you can play on a team, so on. Um, but uh, Glenn says that he was an army medic, so he might be of use. He would be of use if he was an army medic. Well, for sure. And, and, and if he was an army medic, that pretty much means that he can play on a team. Well, yeah, he was in the army. You think that's, that's the whole yeah. idea there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they let him come on the run. 
And uh, we get a quick scene, though, before they go of Herschel with his new leg. With That's his right. new leg attached, teaching Rick how to pinch sprouts off of plants and replant them. So they are growing a full-on vegetable and food garden out there. Um, as they're doing this, Michonne rides up to the front gate. Uh, Rick and Carl open the, the new gates for her, which, again, we've seen in the trailer. And uh, we find out that Michonne brought a bunch of comics for Carl and her, because she says she wants to read them, and an electric razor <laughs> for, uh, for Rick. Uh, she has a funny line here about something like his face is losing the war or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Against his beard, I guess. Um, Rick asks if she's going to stay a while, and she says yes. So it sounds like Michonne has been out and about a fair bit, not hanging out at the prison so much. But now she's back. Yeah, and she's going to hang out for a little while. <laughs> Until three seconds later, <laughs> when the uh, the party going on a run drives up, and uh, she agrees to go with them. So yeah. she was back for all of 10 minutes until she goes out again. She also reveals that she didn't find him. And we can assume she's been out looking for the governor. Yeah. And hasn't found him yet. So she's out for revenge or something anyways. Vengeance. Vengeance. Now, I guess they all leave. Rick says he's going to check the snares. They have snares out around the prison to catch food, like rabbits and squirrels and stuff that they can eat. And uh, he first tells Carl, though, to go to Storytime and read some books. So uh, he's just trying to get Carl to interact with the other kids and join the group a little bit, I think. Learn something, boy. Learn something. You're not in school. You might as well be learning, reading some books. Yeah. Uh, but again, I thought, you know, everything seemed fine between Rick and his son here. Before he leaves, Herschel walks up and tells him to take his gun with him. So this is the scene we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, the interesting thing I thought here is that Herschel says, the council has talked about it, and we need you to be safe, so you have to take a gun everywhere you go. Yeah. So Rick's not on the council. No. Herschel lists Daryl, Glenn, Sasha, Carol, and all of them. So I don't know if he just means all of those people <laughs> or if there's actually more. So the as far as we can tell, the council exists, consists of those ones I mentioned, plus Herschel. That's one, two, three, four, five people. Yeah, I think there's a couple of more. Is there? I would think. Okay. They're holding that uh, that information in their back pocket to surprise us later, I think. Right. I think we'll see scenes of the council in the next episode, actually. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it just seems like Rick is becoming a little nonchalant about protecting himself. Maybe he's feeling a little too comfortable in this prison. Maybe. Well, if he walks around without a gun, you'd think you'd want your gun at your side at all times, just in case. Don't you? I would think so. I mean, especially if you're going out, right? I Maybe walking around the cell block, you know, maybe not, but going well, out the forest. Maybe he's just such a badass now that he doesn't need it. He just, he has his knife. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, if he gets, he gets caught in, uh, you know, a, a herd of zombies, what are six bullets going to do? Well, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Still, though, you'd think in an emergency, nice to have a firearm at your side. But anyways, the council mandates it, so he does have to take his gun with him now. You have to obey the council. You do. They're very, very important. So we go outside the prison, and Rick finds a dying boar. Uh, and he does find, I think he's carrying a rabbit, so he obviously found a rabbit in one of their traps. And uh, he suddenly encounters what he thinks is a zombie because a 
figure sort of stumbles in behind him. And as he turns to walk away, she turns and starts speaking to him. Now, Jason, this was kind Uh of exciting when I watched this, because if you recall, way back when the first uh, promotional photo for season four came out, it was Rick and this woman standing behind him. And everybody, including me, assumed that was a zombie coming up behind Rick. But you stood alone and said, I don't think it's a zombie. And you were right. I did? Yeah. Don't you remember that? We had a whole... <laughs> I have almost no memory of that. We had a whole discussion about it. And uh, you decided that that person, person wasn't a zombie. We talked about it, and you were absolutely right. So you called it, man. All right. One for one. One for, uh, one so far. <laughs> yeah. One and oh so far. Um, now, she doesn't look so good. No, she looks like a zombie. Like, she's very, very dirty. Well, it, looks like it almost her... looked like she had moss growing on her forehead. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It was... It, she did, She looked to be in really, really bad shape. The other thing I thought of here, too, is your theory about people showing or exhibiting s- sort of zombie-like characteristics while they're still alive. She well, was kind that, of that doing that. That had me worried the whole episode, frankly. What do you mean? Well, because of you know her, she could talk and everything, but she kind of looked like a zombie, so it it worried me. You I thought know, she was actually undead? She was but gonna, could... I thought maybe she was undead-ish and was going to attack Rick or, uh, you know, one. Uh, th- there was obviously a big reveal coming, uh, and I'm just thinking that the big reveal for her would be that she has been eating flesh. Right. But, you know, that's so that just that aspect of it really had me worried the whole episode. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was on pins and needles the the whole time with this woman. Yeah. Well, just the look of her and the way she sort of behaved and acted, I could kind of see, you know, the the idea that this living person was exhibiting traits of zombieism. And uh, obviously, I was thinking about your theory the whole time, but it's it's weird that it just saw, suddenly came up so quickly in the first first episode. Right. Um, but she asks Rip, Rick to help her get food back to her husband, and he offers her a sandwich, which is fine. Mm-hmm. She takes it, and uh, but she wants Rick to come back to the camp, and he says, or, or or sorry, she wants to come back to Rick's camp, and he says, well, I have to ask you three questions. And uh, so they decide to to leave, go back to get her husband, Eddie, where Rick can ask the questions and find out. Before they leave, he frisks her, finds a knife, but after a stern warning about not trying anything crazy, he lets her keep the knife, which is important. It is. Um, We cut back to the kids at the prison, and they are hanging out at the fence, talking to the zombies through the fence. One of them has a name tag, Nick, on. Nick, yeah. <laughs> so they're talking to Nick. Carl and Patrick walk up, and uh, Carl scolds them, basically, and tells them not to name the zombies. So don't it's okay for, them. It's okay for him to name the food, but don't name the zombies, because they were people once. Right. And they had their own names. We just don't know what they are. <laughs> well, we know Nick's name. Yes, we do know Nick's name. Well, uh, you know, really... Maybe we know Nick's name because, uh, you know, back in the early 90s when I first moved to Toronto, I worked at a gas station. Uh, my first job in Toronto was was at a gas station, and I had a set of coveralls that had a name on them, and it wasn't my name. I think it was like George or Bill or something. George or Bill or any damn name but Jason. So they said, uh, if you work here long enough, you'll get your own name. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I didn't work there long enough. <laughs> well, that's so it may or may not have been Nick, but... You know, in a pinch, go with the name on the guy's shirt. Yeah. 
Um, Patrick, so yeah, so Carl scolds them for naming the zombies. And Patrick tells Carl not to come back to story time after the other kids leave because it's for kids and he wouldn't dig it. Right. And then doesn't he call him something weird like young sir? Thank you, young sir. Yeah, yeah, he did. Thank you, young sir. This Patrick kid is is an odd character, I'd say. I think so. Bit of a wacky kid. We go to the big spot. Our raiding group is entering through the fence. Clearly there was military there. There's a bunch of tents, some military vehicles. Now, Jason, why don't our heroes ever try to take the military Humvees and Jeeps and stuff that are there? Now, sure, they may be out of gas or whatever, but if they have gas for other vehicles, why not get these military vehicles that you think would offer good protection? Well, because they have their uh, fleet of Hyundais. Yeah, they have the the ever-important Hyundais that are always clean and so on. Yeah. but it's I I don't know. I would take... uh... I, I, they probably use a lot of gas. They're, I'm like sure they're not a, very efficient. Having a, a, a Humvee is probably diesel, and I don't know if that's easier or harder to come by in near the Atlanta area. But uh, you know, it probably uses a lot of uh, a lot of gas. So having something a little more efficient, especially if you don't need the off-road capability, like all the roads are fine, really. Yeah, it's true. It's just a matter of uh, you know being able to. You know, get more bang for your buck for the uh, for the fuel economy that these cars have. I guess it's a trade-off. You would lose a certain amount of fuel efficiency, um, but you'd gain off-road ability and protection and and you know an armored vehicle. But I suppose you're right. Efficiency might be the most important thing in this kind of scenario. Yeah, because you don't have the supply chain that the U.S. military has. <laughs> no, you know, bringing gas. They have the longest supply chain in the world. Yeah. So I guess that makes a little sense. Although, you know, you could, in theory, you could find a use for these vehicles, even if it was just like blocking up, blocking up roads to the prison or something like that. You know that well, Humvee that could uh, you could fit a, fit a family of six in there. They could have a they could be their camper. That's true. They're huge. If, if you need to go out on an overnight run, for example, that would be a safe place to sleep. Yeah, it'd be better than a camper. Yes, it would. So I don't know. I guess I guess efficiency trumps all in this. Uh, but we get into the big spot or the front door anyways, and we see the scene from the trailer where Daryl's knocking on the window to attract a zombie. We get a, a, a funny scene here of Zach trying to guess what Daryl did before the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. So no flashback like we talked about, but we get a character, we get two characters talking about it, which I think maybe you actually, you said too, we probably weren't going to have a flashback. It might just come up in conversation. Right. And Zach guesses that Daryl was a homicide detective. <laughs> Which, you know, it's it's one of these funny scenes where the audience knows so much more than the characters in the scene. Yeah. And so we know that a homicide detective is clearly a, a wacky job for Daryl Dixon to have had, but Zach has no idea, so that's his guess. And his logic is okay. He's basing it on the way Daryl acts in the prison and what he does and his useful skills and so on. Yeah. Uh, but Michonne has a good laugh, just like I did. And uh, the funny thing is Daryl at first says, yeah, I, that's absolutely right. I was way undercover. <laughs> I, w- I totally would have bought him as an undercover police officer. You think so, eh? I w- yeah, I would definitely would have uh, jumped on that. I would have I bought in on that. If that was the truth, I would have totally believed it and been on board. All right. Even, I mean, even knowing what we know about that character and his brother yeah. and his family and all that. Especially. 
Okay. Especially that. That would make him such a good undercover police officer because of his background and his brother and all that kind of stuff. You know, they don't have to make up a backstory for him. It's just like, don't tell them that he's a cop. That's like, don't true. Don't tell the bad guys he's a cop and let him be his, you know, use his real name, use his real uh, history, that kind of stuff. That's true. His real life is a good enough backstory. That's right. Cover story. I would, yeah, I would have totally bought into that. All right. Well, Detective Daryl Dixon reporting for duty then. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, let's go, Detective. Yeah. The, the girls, that, that was Michonne. Awesome. Michonne, Michonne she says, all right, let's right. do this, Detective, or something. <laughs> so they enter the store, and Bob hangs back for a minute. Before he goes in, the camera pans up to the roof to show a crashed helicopter and lots and lots of zombies up there. Yeah, that's because we had uh, a pair of uh, legs or the bottom half of a person from the torso down lying in the ground. And uh, who was it, Bob? Yep. Uh, was looking at him going, hmm, I wonder where those came from. Then we pan up and we see the uh, the helicopter crash and a whole bunch of zombies and the top half of that person. That person, that's right. So th the roof of that store is clearly not a safe place to be. No. But we cut back to Rick and Crazy Woman walking through the forest. She has a name. It may have been Clara um, or Claire. I, I forget now. Uh, but for now, we'll just call her Crazy Woman or Moss Woman. Maybe we should call her Moss Woman. I don't know if she was crazy. Oh, come on. She wasn't. Not any more than anybody else. And I think crazy is a relative position of sanity compared to the you know majority of the populace, right? I don't know. You can't deny that she was lost it a little bit. I mean, especially well, when we learn about learn more about her as we get back to her camp. Yeah, I, 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 she's definitely gone through the ringer a couple of times and is uh, off her hinges. Uh -huh. But I don't think it's necessarily all that much more off her hinges than anybody else. No, I think rick and and the episode speaks to this a little bit i think rick when he was in the height of crazy town after Lori died was going the way this woman has gone rick was able to come back from it she was not and that was a big theme of this episode can you come back from the terrible things that you've done well, which rick had a support system right yes she, she does not. not you're absolutely right that's a that's a bit of a twist on you know the the walking one of the big Walking Dead themes is about doing what you have to do but can you recover from that is 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 a different slightly different question. Yeah. Um, anyways, they're walking through the forest and she's telling Rick her story about being on the way to Puerto Vallarta, and I guess they got stuck in the Atlanta airport because it got shut down after the zombie outbreak. Yeah. And this is where they start talking about doing the things or the things that you have to be willing to do to survive. And he asks her, like, what? And she says, well, eating anything, like rotten fruit and bugs and whatever, uh, leaving people behind or hiding from people who need your help because you're either afraid of them or you just can't help them at the time. Yeah. But we go back to the big spot. Uh, Michonne comes around a corner. They're all inside now with shopping carts, I guess, looking for supplies, which there seems to be lots of in there. This looks like a gold mine of supplies, I'll tell you. And TVs. So many TVs. TVs, all kinds of stuff. I saw blenders. Absolutely. All these things that need power and have no use in the, you know, post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah. But batteries, this is, they're going to obviously load up on hundreds and hundreds of batteries. Well, they have to. Yes, for all for their for, walk for the Walkman. Yeah, 
so Michonne comes around a corner and there's a, a cardboard cutout of some sort of Frankenstein monster. So she decides to chop it up with her katana because why not? Yeah. Um, Glenn, he takes a camera of all things and then looks at a display for baby photography. So now it's pretty clear that, yes. that either Maggie is pregnant or is intending to become pregnant. Right. I, I assumed at this point she's fully fully on pregnant. Full on preggers. Yeah. Full uh, on. I did too. Not just half on, full on. Yeah, it's it's it you know, pregnancy is not necessarily a binary state. It's uh it was you know, it's a sliding scale. So I, I think that the at the time he looked at the pictures is like, Yeah, she's totally pregnant. Yeah, try to convince a woman about that non binary state for pregnancy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's either you are or you're not. <laughs> oh, she's sorta of pregnant. Uh... <laughs> you cannot know. But you either are or you aren't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's what Glenn's doing. Bob is browsing the booze section, the beer and wine. Yeah. Which he, so he picks up a bottle. He looks at it. The music swells up a little bit. And then he decides to put it back. So as we know from the Walking Dead governor novels that I love so much, uh, Bob is a full-on raging alcoholic in those books. In the books, yeah. In the books, I don't know. In the TV show so far, not so much. Not so much in the TV show, but clearly he has issues with alcohol because. Well, yes, clearly he does. He's longing for it, but he did pick up the bottle and then put it back. And put it back. So I wonder if that's going to be a thing in the TV show or if it's just going to be that. It's sort of like acknowledging the fact that he may have used to have a problem or something like that, but he's he's past it and we're not going to really touch on it anymore. I don't know. Oh, it's going to come up again. You think so? I have no doubt. I think he is a full-on raging alcoholic. I just don't think that that scene showed it. Okay. All right. So we're going to get more of it. Oh, yeah. Well, he decides to put the bottle back, as you said. And as he does that, the shelf collapses. And not only that, the entire shelf falls down on top of him. So yep. that was a strange chain reaction of events, you know, just for putting one bottle onto a shelf. It's happened. Go search YouTube. There's all kinds of videos of this kind of thing happening in real life. Really? Oh, yeah. Like a whole <laughs> liquor store basically come apart at the seams and the bottles fall all over the place and collapse and make a huge mess. Such a waste of alcohol. Um, I just thought it was funny that, you know, he puts the bottle on the shelf and, okay, that one shelf collapses and the noise alerts the zombies on the roof. They start yeah. to get excited and gather and move towards the noise. But then the whole thing falls down on top of him. I guess it was a good dramatic element, but I kind of giggled a little bit. And I guess it wasn't funny, but I'm like, come on, the whole thing falls on him? Talk about bad luck. You know? Oh, it could happen. I suppose it could, but... You know, the shelf, one shelf breaks and everything collapses and then it destabilizes the whole shelf and, you know, eventually just tips over. Uh, yeah, I suppose. It just seemed funny to me. I don't know why. But he gets stuck under there, so it's not funny at all. I have an email from Aaron in Syracuse that I'm going to read right now. And he says, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on army medic slash probable alcoholic guy whose name I can't recall. It's Bob. <laughs> uh, Aaron goes on. He was a destabilizing element in the episode, and I suspect he may be an interesting threat because of a human weakness as opposed to outright villainy or villainy. Mm. Villains don't have to be big bads to be effective. They can just be people whose flaws end up dooming others. Oh. 
interesting uh interesting take on it i thought you know um if bob is is a guy who struggles with addiction or you know whatever you know he's obviously um his actions here unintentionally so led to something pretty bad happening in the next you know for the the group that's in the big uh, big spot and uh, as Aaron says, you don't have to be necessarily evil or go out of your way to do bad villain type things. But if you are constantly out looking for booze or knocking down shelves, it's it, it ends up being bad for everybody involved. And I think it's kind of an interesting take on the idea of a villain. I think so, too. That's very, very interesting. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Aaron, for that. Bob is OK, but he's stuck under the shelf. And uh, zombies start crashing through the roof because the zombies are moving to the sound and the roof starts to give way and they start falling into the store. The first one that comes through ends up hanging by his entrails, which was pretty gross. That was pretty gross. Um, but suddenly lots of them start crashing down and it's raining zombies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they go through some suspicious soft spots in the roof. Well... Not really when you think about it, because I, I did think, you know, if they've all been up there for this long, why is the roof giving way now? But, you know, it's um, a helicopter crashed onto that thing. And all of the, I think they talked about this on Talking Dead after the show, Scott Gimple was on, and he said, a lot of water has been gathering there, rotting away at the roof. All of the fuel and oils and chemicals or whatever that were in that helicopter that were our corrosive agents have been working their way through the supports for that roof too. Yeah. Um, and it's just taken a beating over the last, you know, months since the helicopter uh, crashed. And this is just wrong place at the wrong time. And the zombies started coming through. So it's not totally beyond the realm of possibility that this roof would start to collapse like this. I don't think. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with the fact that things are softer now that the dead have started walking around. Skulls and roofs. Skulls, roofs, people, everything. Everything is softer now. Yeah. Uh, but we cut back to Rick and the woman in the forest, and they're still talking about the things you have to do to survive, and she asks him again if you can come back from the things that you do. And uh, Rick thinks you can, I guess, because he sort of came back, but he's I, I think he's questioning himself a little bit here. Uh, the most important thing we go back to, though, in the big spot, Glenn, he has a couple of zombies on top of him, but he manages to escape. And uh, more and more come crashing down. They're splattering all over the place. We got some really nasty yeah. zombie splatters here. Greg outdid himself tonight, uh, he, or last night. He did. Uh, just, like, sacks of blood just raining down from the roof, you know, yeah. and just blowing up on the floor. Uh, so everybody's running around shooting zombies, trying to escape. Michonne and Sasha are using swords, it looks like. Obviously, Michonne is, but Sasha had some sort of pointy weapon as well. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Bob is still stuck under the fallen shelf. And uh, Daryl and Glenn notice the helicopter starting to come through the roof, which would be really bad because a zombie here and there, even though there's lots of them, is one thing. A whole giant helicopter crashing down is not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. A, um, a zombie approaches Bob, who's on the ground, and gets to him. And this was probably, for me, the most cringeworthy thing I saw in this episode, but also awesome, because Bob reaches out to stop the zombie, and the zombie has a cut in his skull, and Bob just peels the guy's skull off and just <laughs> opens his brain up. It was 
so yeah. nasty. Well, he was trying to get at the brain, right? He's like, okay, there's a way in there. I'm not I'm not questioning his methods. It was just really <laughs> gross. It was pretty gross, but I thought it was a, a real testament to uh, his ability to think on his feet and to use his medical knowledge as a, as an asset. True. I didn't think of the medical angle, but you're right. Although it doesn't take any real medical knowledge to just know, if I peel open that guy's head and poke his brain a bit, he probably will stop trying to eat me. I don't know if I would have thought of that, though. I would just be like, there's a, a nasty zombie with a big gash on his face or his head coming after me. Uh, oh, my God, die. what do I do? Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to die, and that's it. Yeah. Well, he he thinks fast, and he opens the guy's head, and uh, then Zach and Daryl get Bob out, and just before they can leave, though, Zach gets bitten and taken down and eaten by zombies. Yeah, right in the ankle, or in the... Uh, the Sorry, the Achilles tendon. Yep, that's where they get you, man. That's always where they get you. That's right nasty. There. I'm like, uh, the first thing I thought of was, they got to cut off his leg. That's he, exactly what happened to Herschel. Yep, but he didn't last long enough for them to do that. Before no, he, he knew it, he had a zombie yeah, on his on his neck, chewing through yeah. his shoulder. Well, they got to cut his head off. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Cut <laughs> his head off, put a tourniquet on it. He'll be fine. So, Zach didn't last long, and uh, that's too bad for him, because it I sort of like that character but didn't really yeah, get to know I him i would have liked to see uh, zach hang out for at least a couple of more episodes see what happens with him and beth see if he can guess daryl's job again you know yeah they made us like that kid and now he's gone now somebody else is gonna have to guess daryl's job yeah maybe it comes down to to us what are we you ever th- gonna find out i don't think so it'll probably never come up again i think it was just sort of a comedy relief scene and it worked well if you uh, ask me i don't know i think we need a pool a pool, eh? I, I, need, I think we need to start a pool. Daryl's job pool? Daryl's job. What did Daryl do for a living? Okay. We'll uh, we'll figure something out. Okay. Uh, anyways, so they get um, they get Bob out, Zach dies, and the helicopter crashes down just as everybody runs out and everyone else escapes unharmed. Well, that's good. That is good. That's good for everybody else but Zach. So Rick and Crazy Lady arrive at her camp. And uh, after all this talk of her husband, nobody else is there. And Rick realizes she's nuts. Or at least confused. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll go with you. Maybe she's not crazy. She's at least confused. And uh, as he looks into their tent, she comes at him with a knife, which Rick easily parries and throws her to the ground. It was that uh, one of those big Gerber knives again, wasn't it? Um, well, I think it was the knife that she had in her belt. No, it wasn't. It this was, was a, a big one? curved blade. Oh, geez, I didn't know. It was notice. a big curved blade machete type thing. Huh. Well, the one I... she had was a, was just a, a straight knife, but uh, the uh, the Gerber knives, let me see if I can find the, the knife I'm thinking of. The internet will save me. Yeah. Well, the Gerber knives, I guess they're still a sponsor of the show. Um, we've talked about how it's weird that you know, an actual knife company is sponsoring a show like this where knives are used to kill things all the time. So anyways, Gerber knife, she comes at him. Rick isn't fooled by this, knocks her down. And uh, it's revealed that she actually wanted to feed Rick to Eddie, her husband, who uh, we haven't seen yet. And we don't know. He was slowing down. She was very concerned that he started to slow down. Yeah. He needed something living to eat. And she really, she said she wanted to bring that dead boar back, but didn't think she'd be able to. And uh, it was easier just to have Rick follow her there. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot easier to bring stuff back to your camp when it walks on its own. Yeah, that's right. Um, she said something like, you have to do things like this, but I can't do things like this. So she ends up stabbing herself uh, because she can't live with it anymore. And she says, don't end it after. Don't stop it. Let me be with him. So she yeah. wants to turn into a zombie so she can be with her zombie husband, Eddie. And she asks Rick about the three questions and what they were. So here are the three questions, Jason. Okay. How many walkers have you killed? Zero. How many humans have you killed? Zero. And why? Because uh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, and her what were her answers? Her answers were none for walkers, because her yep. husband did it all, and one for humans herself. And why? Well... She just says, you don't get to come back back from these things. You don't get to. Yeah. And uh, she dies. As Rick is leaving, we get to see something moving and moaning in a burlap sack. So I guess Eddie's head is in there, and she's been carrying it around with him. You think so? I, I, I didn't know if it was like it was a mound of like a big pile of stuff, right? I didn't know if it was just his head or whether he was tied down underneath that pile, or she piled stuff on top of him so he wouldn't move. But I didn't. Uh, mm. I didn't necessarily think that it was just the head. Uh well, it, no, I thought it was just the head, and that's all that was left of him, basically. But I suppose the rest of him could have been there, and we just didn't really see it. I think some people online speculated that Eddie is awful close to close to Heady. <laughs> so it's just Eddie's head. It's Headley. Yeah, Eddie's head. That's a good band name. It is. <laughs> there might be a band called that already. Oh, there probably is. Um, but Rick leaves and uh, I guess heads back for the prison. And he doesn't kill the woman. He leaves her, as far as we know, so she can return as a zombie and be with Eddie. Eddie's head is a box set by Iron Maiden. Eddie's head. There you yeah, go. There. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> we cut over to Carol at uh, story time, reading to the kids. And we see Carl sneak in, but he doesn't approach right away. And then after another adult leaves, she puts the book down and starts her knife lesson that we saw in the trailer. Yeah. And so this is interesting. So story time is a cover for knife lessons, for knife fight lessons which isn't something that had occurred to me anyways. I assumed that, sure, maybe there's story time, but there's also probably knife fighting lesson time. Well, she also said today we're going to learn about knives, which means that the story time is just a cover for other stuff that the parents or the adults don't want necessarily the kids to learn. Yeah, like survival firearms or uh, you know how to gouge out somebody's eyes with your thumbs or how to peel back their uh, skin on their skull to find a gap in there to kill them if you don't have a weapon. Right. You know, maybe that's where, uh, what's his name, learned it. Maybe he learned it in story time. Yeah, maybe Bob learned it in story time. Now, Patrick asks to leave because he's not feeling well. And we'll talk about that in one second. But just at the end of this scene, Carol sees Carl kind of hiding amongst the books or the shelves in the library that they're in. And she begs him not to tell his father. Yep. So what do you make of this? Why don't you think Rick would want the kids to learn these kinds of skills and help them better be better prepared for what they might encounter? Uh, for the same reason that uh, he didn't wake up Carl after spending the night reading comic books and the same reason he wanted them to 
uh, to go to story time is that he wants his kid to be a kid and, uh, you know, have that opportunity of, you know, just he wants to protect Carl and wants him to be the child that he is because they're, you know, uh, he feels bad that it's something that's now denied the kids. And if they have the opportunity to be kids, they should be kids. But, and I think that's probably prevalent throughout the uh, throughout the group. But don't you think that of all people, you would think Rick would be one that was a little bit more in tune with being prepared and being ready and, and learning some skills you need to, to live in this zombie world? It's It struck me as odd that of all people, Rick would be the one that would have a problem with this. Right. Well, maybe Rick is uh, over the last couple of months that he's taken up the the farming and put down, you know, it's a swords to plowshares kind of thing. You put down the weapons and pick up the farming implements that he wants to uh, to have that same kind of, uh, you know, frontier mentality for the entire mm-hmm. group, including the kids, you know. Mm-hmm get some stories, you know, uh, grow up a little bit before we have to deal with the harsh, harsh realities of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I can see, I can totally understand that point of view. I think if it were me, I would be more inclined to sort of have both. You know, you do need some relief time for children, some time to be kids and try to learn what it's like to grow up and be a child. But the reality of it is you also need to know how to stab something in the eyeball or shoot something in the back of the head. That's true. Um, so uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and see where Rick's mindset really is right now. I mean, he's the one, he's the guy there who has two children, one of them a baby, you know, yep. in this universe, and nobody else really has young kids like that. So maybe he's the only one that's seeing it straight. You know, maybe everyone else is like, these kids have to learn how to fight or they're never going to survive. Right. So I don't know. Um, But anyways, Patrick, as I said, he wanted to leave because he's not feeling well. And I got a call here from Beth in Arkansas about this. Hey, guys. This is Beth from Arkansas. I'm so glad you guys are back. Um, I thought the premiere was really good. There's one thing that really bothered me, and it was the way Carol blew off that kid that wasn't feeling well. Um, kind of like it wasn't a big deal and it just seems to me that in uh, the scenario they're in where all this is taking place kind of around the plague um, that they would be a little bit more cautious when people get sick even if it's very minor but to keep the sick people quarantined and watch over them and make sure that you know nothing screwy is going on Um, it kind of sounds to me how they've kind of become a little complacent and kind of stopped uh, really looking out and uh, being more cautious. But anyway, I don't know if anybody else noticed that. Um, It stuck out to me. And uh, anyway, love this show. Thank you. Um, I should say that I'm not totally sure your name is Beth. I apologize. The name kind of cut out there at the beginning, but that's sort of what it sounded like. So sorry if I got the name wrong. Um, But I think it's a very interesting point nonetheless, and it relates to what we've been talking about in some ways. People seem to be getting a little bit complacent at the farm. And uh, you would think that if someone gets sick in this world, you'd take it seriously and you'd make sure you knew what they were doing, what was going on with them and where they were at all times. Whereas Carol's just like, got to fight through it, man. And then she just lets them go. Still there? Yes. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And it's, it's all, you know, when you're out in the wilderness, any, any kind of injury or sickness is, uh, is a serious matter. Even the minor stuff, even a minor cut can, uh, can really get out of hand really fast. Yeah. The other thing that bothered me about this scene a little bit is it felt like it just came out of nowhere. Patrick was fine in the other scenes he was in, as far as we know, seemed everything was a okay. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Oh, I'm not feeling well, I'm going to leave. And, you know, a couple minutes later in another scene, it looks like he's full on got the flu or has a fever or whatever. And he just seems to be in really bad shape. Yeah. It felt a little bit out of nowhere. If they'd kind of hinted earlier that he was maybe feeling ill somehow, then it would have felt more natural. But I sort of felt like he was great. And then all of a sudden he was sick out out of nowhere. Well, that's okay. Well, yeah, it's not a big thing. I just no, but uh, you know, I think uh, as you know, we'll get to it a little bit later. But I think that's that's uh, uh, that's very reasonable. I disagree with you that uh, that it it should have come out of nowhere just like it did, and I think that's fine. I don't think they should have hinted at it before then. Well, I'm, I'm I just mean hinting at it for the audience. Like if he was feeling ill, these things. I, I mean, unless they do, I was going to say these things don't come on that suddenly. Whatever he had does. I guess it does. Yeah. So and then you know the the escalation of it was uh, extremely fast, right? Like he started feeling ill at story time, and then by uh, the end of the episode, he's dead. Which was at some point the middle of that night, yeah. Yeah. And you got to think story time was probably late in the day, maybe right before bed. <laughs> Could be because that's when you read stories. Well, that's when story time is at your house, right? It is. Yeah. Read a lot of books before bedtime in my house. Um, okay, so it was just an extremely aggressive illness, whatever he had, and it came on fast and it killed him fast. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone is back at the uh, prison now. Rick is there and he notices that the sick pig from earlier is now dead. I think we may have forgot to mention that. Him and Carl right at the beginning noticed one of the pigs is not doing so well after right. they named the pigs. Anyways, that pig is dead now and Rick wonders what's going on. The uh, raiding party is back too. Tyrese comes to Karen and says he doesn't like going out on raids either. So he doesn't like killing zombies at the fence, and he doesn't like going out on, on supply raids or missions. Well, we need to find something he likes doing. It, there's got to be something. He seems to be a little soft, to be honest with you. Maybe he needs to take some time in the guard tower. With her. Yeah, you're with, probably with, right. Yeah, with her. Yeah, just, you know, come with me to the guard tower. We'll keep an eye on the zombies. Maybe he'll like that. Yeah, he might. Who knows? Release a little stress. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Glenn is with Maggie, and she tells him she's not pregnant. So it seems like they were trying to get pregnant, but she's not. Or at least... No. Well, Glenn is relieved at this, right? Yeah, so is she. No, I got the feeling that she was um, a little bummed by it. I have a feeling Maggie wants this to happen. I'm not sure. I think it's one of those things where uh, you, you get a, you have a pregnancy scare, and it's uh, it's generally considered a bad thing. Where uh, Maggie, you know, perfectly logically, she's like, "Yeah, this is very bad. This is not a good situation to raise a baby, and this is not uh, not something that we want." But then, in the back of her mind, she's trying to justify it. Well, you know, what if we did have a baby? Would it be all that bad? It probably is yes. bad. But the answer is yes, it would be bad. It would be bad, but I think we could get through it. And, you know, uh, on the plus side, we'd have a baby. And that's a good thing. Well, that is. So uh, so when it finally was proven that uh, she's not pregnant, maybe she's thinking she's a little disappointed in that. 
Like it is a good thing that she's not pregnant, but there is disappointment. There. Okay, that I I can see that point. the The feeling I got while watching it though was that she, at least in some way, wanted this to happen and was sort of trying for it, but Glenn wasn't totally on board. Now, now that I think about it, maybe there would have been some more tension between them if that was the case, because yeah. there didn't seem to be like very much. Um, and Glenn was clearly relieved by the fact that she wasn't and maybe during the rest of the episode we're supposed to read that he's a little bit more stressed out by it but by going to get a camera and looking at like the baby photo stuff in some ways to me that almost reinforces that maybe he was sort of into it you know he's like if this is going to happen i want to document it <laughs> yeah so i don't know I don't know. I always, when, when these kind of things come up, I always think back to my high school experience. I had a friend in high school, actually a couple of friends in high school. <laughs> Is this a story you really want to tell? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I'm just saying pregnancy scares high school. I don't no, know. No, it wasn't a scare. She got pregnant. <laughs> okay. So this, this couple, she got pregnant and uh, they were both in like grade 10 or something like that. They were very young. Maybe it was grade 11 or something like that. But I remember talking to this guy um, afterwards, like after the they had the baby and he he said, uh, you know, when we told our parents that uh, that she was pregnant, they were all very, very upset. And it was a very upsetting thing for the entire family. But as soon as the baby was born, bam, instant grandparents. Right. You know, so it's 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 that kind of thing. Whereas the idea of getting pregnant is very, very bad. And nobody wants that in this situation. But when you think you are pregnant, you think of the good things about that you know if this is the situation i can live with it because there's going to be a baby and that's a good thing so i think maggie definitely fell into that and i think that uh, glenn was starting to come to terms with that on the raid but as it turns out she's not pregnant it's just glenn's like oh thank god <laughs> yeah well that's true okay i can see that i can i think i think it probably does take a little bit longer for the father to come around to that sort of feeling as well too so alrighty I mean it's and, it's tough for uh, it's tough to imagine having a baby in that scenario because there, well there already is one and uh, it's didn't work out so well at least for the mother but I can see it you know baby good being pregnant not so great but you know baby still good I don't think this is over like, no? I don't think the Mag Maggie pregnant thing is over and done I think by the, jeez, uh, I don't know if it's going to be by the mid-season hiatus, uh, mid-season finale or by the finale. She will be pregnant this season. You heard it here first. All right. Well, you've made some predictions that have Unless you've heard it somewhere else first and then you heard it there first and I'm just reiterating. But I'm saying it first in my mind. I think she's going to be pregnant by the end of the season. All right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I Well, you could be right. I, would they, they open the door. Yes, they, they already did. opened the door, and they didn't. They wouldn't have closed it within the first half of the first episode. But would they have even opened it if it wasn't going to happen for like sixteen more episodes or something like that? You know, I guess. I mean, it's it's the long game they're playing here. So I think they're going to talk about it. I think it's going to be something that they decide to do. Right. Okay. I can I can see it. Uh. Anyways, let's move on. Uh. Daryl goes to tell Beth that Zach didn't make it, and. She doesn't cry, and she doesn't really seem all that upset, to be honest. She she sort of says that I, I just don't cry anymore, and uh, she goes to change her 30 days without an accident sign to zero days without yep. an accident. So that's where the episode title comes from. 
and she gives Daryl a big old hug because he seems so sad, and he says he's tired of losing people. Yeah, uh, but sad. Oh, it's it's sad for sure. Um, but Beth seems to be handling it okay. Maybe I think Beth has come, become hard and cold. Maybe she just doesn't care about anyone anymore. Well, I don't know about that. I think she's just in shock. Oh, like it's, yeah. uh, I think it's a matter of, uh, you know, it's a, it's a defense mechanism, shutting down her emotions. It's not that she's come to, you know, be so hard and cold that she doesn't care. I think just, just uh, her brain is shutting off that portion of her personality. It's like, I can't even deal with this anymore. Yeah. It's too, too much. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> so we get a quick scene of Michonne pointing to Macon on the map where she's going to go looking for the governor, as we saw in the trailer. And then we cut over to Herschel and Rick talking about uh, about the crazy lady that Rick was uh, met in the forest. And Herschel says that, you know, you were close to that, Rick. You were that lady, but you came back. You get to come back, you do, he says. Yeah. So kind of full circle here, right? That's what they were talking about. And Herschel says, no, 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 you went down that path and you came back and you're going to be fine. No matter what happens, you can come back from it. Well, that's nice of him to say. It was, it was. And this is the first we see of Judith in this episode too, Rick standing there holding her. Yeah. So now the final series of events begins for this episode and it pretty much all involves Patrick, sick Patrick. It's now the middle of the night. He comes out of his cell, obviously sweaty and just in bad shape. He doesn't feel good. He's walking through the cell block in the dark. And we get the scene that we saw in the trailer of, you know, a mystery foot uh, disappearing into the darkness. So now we know that's Patrick and it's nobody else. He goes to take a shower and uh, collapses in the shower under the under the water. We get a lingering shot of the shower head slowly turning off because the water from the pump ran out. Yep. And we see Patrick on the floor, badly bloodied, and he's dead. He's bleeding from the eyes. Was he? Was he bleeding from the eyes, or did I... he just smash his face on the floor when he fell? Oh, I don't think so, because if he smashed his face on the floor, he would have big black eyes from a broken nose kind of thing, but I don't know if his eyes would bleed like that. This strikes me as not necessarily a, it, this is not the, you know, getting the flu or a really bad cold or something. This is a, uh, something that I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the word weaponized, but it is something that is very, very bad and, uh, uh, is not natural. Okay. Well, before we get into it, he, we see him lying on the ground, his eyes reopen, he's reawakened as a zombie you hear his sort of wheezy breathing, and we cut to black. The episode ends. Yeah. So now we have Patrick as a walker in the cell block in the prison about to get up and start raining havoc down upon them. So, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this a little bit. The first thing I want to do is read an email from Shannon on the internet, and she said, it seems obvious that the new threat, or part of it, is some sort of disease. Early in the episode, we see a sick pig, and we see Patrick thanking Daryl for bringing him in a deer. I don't think it's a coincidence that Patrick is the first one to die. We see a lot of dead or dying animals in this episode. It sounds to me like there is some kind of illness that gets transmitted from animals to humans. 
I also wonder if this is perhaps something that can affect the walkers, even if it ob obviously can't kill them. When Patrick dies, we see he has some bruising under his eyes. Twice in this episode, we get lingering shots of one particular walker at the fence who looks like he might have been bleeding from the eyes. There must be a reason for that. So as Shannon was saying, sort of the same thing you were saying, he was bleeding from his eyes. I wasn't so sure, but I'll go with you guys. And there was two scenes in this episode of Rick looking at a walker at the wall who also are at the fence who was sort of missing his eyes or was bleeding from the eyes. Couple that with all the dead animals. And it does seem like something's going on here. There's some sort of illness or another threat <laughs> that these people are going to have to deal with. Yep. That, that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> I didn't tie all those things together. I noticed all of those things individually, but I didn't tie them all together so uh, so neatly like this. That's, so is, uh, I, I believe that to be a true fact. So is it some kind of swine flu that everyone's getting that's in animals transferring to humans? Patrick is the first victim of it? Oh, I don't know about that. But I don't know, I, I don't know if swine flu. I don't know. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of... Uh, Movies and TV shows that involve kind of weaponized Ebola type nasty things. And uh, they all seem to have bleeding from the eyes. Do you think it's weaponized though? Like, it, no, as in somebody's I don't. That's done why this. I didn't want to use that word. Right. It's, it's bad luck <laughs> or it's yeah. some sort of, you know, real illness, but it's not being imposed on them by someone as, as a weapon. Only if there was some kind of CDC around here somewhere <laughs> that wasn't blown up. Yes. That could really tracked this kind of stuff down. That hadn't exploded. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're going to find out more about what's going on in the next couple of episodes. The next episode's likely going to be about, at least in part, what happens when Patrick gets up and starts walking around biting or eating people. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. This clearly... I say that, but you never know what might happen. But I think this is this new threat they were talking about. Specifically, it's a disease or some sort of sickness or illness that people are getting that's attacking their systems very quickly and killing them fast. I agree. Either way, you know, pretty pretty bad. Um, so really quick. It's Daryl's fault for bringing it in in that deer. In the deer, yeah, that they've all eaten now. Well, yeah, and they, there was also that animal that uh, the walker lady, the the crazy lady was going to eat that was lying down sick, mm -hmm. right? So that probably had it too. The dead boar, yeah. And Rick found oh, yeah. some rotting, like, other deers or flesh or other animals or something in some of the traps, I think. So it does seem like the animals are suffering. Now, one of the things that Robert Kirkman's always said is that there are no zombie animals in The Walking Dead. You can't get zombie dogs or cats or wild animals or anything. Right. This is a bit of a twist on that <clears throat> when you think about it. Maybe the animals aren't turning into undead animals, but they are a source of something that's affecting the humans. And is it affecting just, is it just a, like a flu that people are getting that happens to be very serious and kill you quickly? Or is it in some way interacting with the zombie virus that everybody has and making it sort of speed up or activate before you actually die. I don't I know. Think it's, I think it's interacting uh, with the zombie virus. I don't think it's just some sort of natural thing. I think it's a, a new thing that's come out post-apocalypse. So this is new. I mean, this is new to the Walking Dead universe. It's, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that's uh, who knows where this could go. That being the case, you know, I have no idea. Uh, all right, quickly, I just want to see uh, general some quick general thoughts on the episode. What did you think of it overall? Was it a solid season premiere, or were you let down by it at all? Uh, can can I go both? Can I really split the hairs on this one? Well, you can I, try. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the f- the beginning of the episode when we got to, when they were showing up the big spot and when Rick found that uh, the lady in the woods. Uh, I was so excited about this episode. I was like, this is like one of the best episodes I've seen so far. This was such a great, uh, it was, it had so much potential. I think it let me down a little bit though. I thought the, uh, the interaction with the lady when they got back to her camp wasn't as, uh, exciting as I was hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that maybe, um, she was luring him back there and it would be some kind of ambush. Uh, that her and her husband would be participating in. Not just her, or, right? Not just her, or that uh, it would be uh, just something a little more exciting than uh, I wanted to feed my zombie husband and uh, now I'm going to kill myself. Right. So it was it was a very introspective kind of result to that uh, where I was very excited about it. I thought it was uh, uh, fascinating, you know, this... this uh, this anticipatory walk through the woods. What's going to happen? Oh my God, we got this unknown thing happening. We got this unknown person. Uh, anyway, that was a bit of a letdown. And the, uh, the big spot, um, I, I don't know. I just, without hearing the explanation of the, uh, the, the fuel and the oils and the different chemicals leaking from the helicopter, the roof seemed a little soft and a little uh, random in the spots where the zombies were falling through. Mm-hmm. I thought that, uh, you know, if the, you know, if a helicopter crashed into a roof, the first part that's going to collapse is the part right underneath the helicopter. Mm-hmm. So if I, if, you know, if the whole helicopter came crashing in, and then all of a sudden, all of the zombies came in all at once. That, to me, would be a little more believable than just random zombies raining from the sky. Uh, so this episode, for me, had huge potential. It was so, so good at the beginning. And the dialogue was fantastic. The, the, uh, the discussion with uh, Daryl's job and him being a, an undercover detective, I thought that was fantastic. I thought a lot of the dialogue was strong. A lot of the writing was strong. I think just overall, it let me down at the end just a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, I didn't really feel the same way. It's, I mean, I can see all your points. I can totally see your point about the, the, the way the zombies came through the roof being a little bit random and haphazard and you know had they been up there for eight months already why why had they why would they just fall through at that point and you just kind of have to chalk that up to dumb luck of tv you know of tv land for for me um but but that whole explanation about fuel and chemicals and stuff slowly eating away at the roof is was mentioned by Scott Gimple on AMC's Talking Dead. And to be honest, it hadn't really occurred to me either before he said that. I kind of felt the same way. What's, you know, why now? Why why wouldn't that helicopter have broken the roof when it crashed into it at that moment, you know? You'd think that's yeah, the biggest yeah. point of force. So um, the thing is, I've seen the episode, I've watched it three times now, maybe yeah. four. And, um, you know, when when Bob walks up, I think it's when Bob walks up and takes the bottle of, wine off the shelf he he does get dripped on by water and look up so they're they were trying i think in that scene trying to tell you that 
there's at least a lot of moisture. There's a lot of something going on on the roof, and it's been working its way through for a long time. So it's not a very solid structure anymore. Right. Um, but I can totally, I can totally see your point. With the with the woman back at her camp, I don't know. That worked for me. I thought, if anything, I felt like it took them a little bit too long to get there. It felt like we got too many scenes of them walking through the forest, kind of talking about the same thing as they went. You know, we I don't know if we really needed her whole explanation of them flying. I think she was Irish based on her accent. So I'm yeah. going to say flying from Ireland to Atlanta on their way to Puerto Vallarta, you know, and sleeping in the uh, in the um, airport and stuff like that. Was that really necessary? I don't know. I don't think it was bad, but maybe get us to the camp a little sooner. And you're right. Maybe, you know, maybe something else could have could have happened there. But overall, I think it was pretty strong, a pretty strong episode. And one of the things I did like about it is I thought they did a great job of showing us little things that really made us feel you know, that we, or gave us an understanding of what had happened during the time that has passed since season three. That's true. You know, um, just the little stuff of like everyone looking up to Daryl thinking he's this great guy and so on. You got the feeling that there was that, at least for me, it gave me a bit of a community feeling and so on. I felt like people had come together and were working together to survive. Um, Michonne bringing the electric razor back for Rick. I mean, obviously they've, they've developed a friendship and a relationship here. And that was just a little way of sprinkling something in that showed us that and said, you know, these people are now a family in this prison. They're getting along, they're working together. And this is what's happened in the last eight months or whatever it's been. And Michonne was happy too. Michonne was happy. Exactly. Things have changed. Characters have changed. Characters have developed a little bit, which we don't get to see, but you understand what, what they've, what's happened to them to get them to sort of their new their new points, right? Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. And I I just think they did a good job of putting those little things in there to bridge the gap, you know. And uh, I also one last point. I also think it was neat that they introduced the council. They basically told us who was on it, but they didn't really give us very much information about it and about how they meet and what sorts of decisions they make and what they talk about and stuff. And I, I think that also is good. It might have been too much to throw that in there all at once in this episode. I think we're going to get more of it in number two next week. Um, but I'm glad they introduced it. You know, Herschel just saying, the council's talked and we think you need to have a gun. That's, that's all we really <laughs> needed to know, you know, that they have yeah. sort of a, a little government going that makes decisions. And I, I I'm pretty they, sure that uh, Admiral Fiat is going to be on the council. Admiral Fiat. Yeah, he was on uh, Star Wars. Who the hell is that? He's one of the admirals. Never mind. From the, showing my true from the Star Wars geek from the prequels. Knowledge. No, from the Star Wars. From okay, I I'm I know my Star Wars pretty well, man. I don't remember. You look up Admiral Fiat. I'm not out here on a limb, am I? No, I I don't know. Maybe maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be on the council though. You're probably right. Um, the uh, Emperor probably will be, because he's on all councils. All right, anyways, great episode. Uh, just before we move on, the ratings are out for this episode, Jason. Do you want to take a shot? Do you want to take a guess at what they are? Total viewers. Uh, total viewers. So we're talking about... Uh, uh, 
total viewers. I'm going to say 9.3 million viewers. Oh, man, you are way off. So 9.2? Uh, no, that would 9. be... 9.27. <laughs> Still way off, but warmer. Okay, well, that's, that's, you know, that's 30,000 people off. <laughs> the episode was watched by 16.1 million oh. viewers. Holy crap. 10.4 of those million, 10.4 millions of them, whatever, were 18 to 49. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and from the press release, uh, here's a little quote. Last night's premiere ranks as the number one telecast in adults 18 to 49, outperforming all programs, and get this, including primetime NFL football. Including? Including. With time-shifted playback, last night's premiere should exceed 20 million viewers. Wow. <laughs> that is two-thirds of the population of our fair country, Canada. It really is. Uh, you know, just about. And I think for the first time ever, The Walking Dead beat out football, which usually is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of every other dramatic show. Well, all dramatic shows, football is... Reality TV, I guess. Live sports. sports. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's reality. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, okay, it's Admiral Piet. Oh, and he was uh, in Piet. charge of uh, Admiral's. Uh, sorry, Darth Vader's personal fleet of star destroyers. Now that name I've so heard. So that's Empire Strikes Back. Or oh, sorry, uh, Return of the Jedi. That name I've heard. Admiral Piet. Admiral Fiat is the guy that lives down the street from me that has a junker of a Russian car in his driveway. <laughs> that, that's true. Are Fiat's Russian? Would, oh, now I just put my foot in my mouth. I don't know yeah, if they are. Yeah, put your Fiat in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you put both feet in your mouth. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, congratulations to everyone involved in The Walking Dead. You have set a new record. Mm -hmm. um, you beat out the season three finale, which had 12 point something million. You, you, you destroyed it, actually, and now the record is 16.1 million. It's amazing. Wow, I I thought I was, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be a little bit off. I was going down from the uh, the finale, right? But I was being uh, very conservative. But I should have gone. I should have known to go up because uh, of your assessment of the uh, the increased hype from this uh, up to this episode. Yeah, well, I had that feeling before the episode even aired, so I had no idea, obviously, of the ratings. But that hype, that hype factor, I think was, you know, in in on this. It seemed to be real. I'm going to, uh, I'm, I just wanted to announce that I'm actually going to be participating in that number. Uh, I am ordering cable uh, oh. and I'm hoping to get it installed by the time the next episode airs. So I am going to get cable. That's uh, exciting. Specifically because I want to watch this live. Right. Because it's difficult for you not to. And then we have to do this on Monday nights, right? Yeah. Last season was just too hard. It was, uh, you know, waiting for it to, to air and then come on iTunes and then make sure I download it and then try and get it watched between, uh, going to work and working and going, you know, going to the podcast after work. So this way, uh, I can at least get one or two viewings in before I go to bed. That way, uh, I don't have to struggle with it. Makes sense, man. Makes sense. So I'm going to be one of those millions of viewers. Perfect. It's exciting. You'll be the 16.10001 millionth viewer. <laughs> yeah. I have to look at uh, how those numbers are. You know, they, they just, they extrapolate those numbers based on uh, a sample audience. There's no way they, yes. can, they know exactly how many people have eyeballs on this show. No, you're right. They extrapolate them from a sample audience. But anyways, we don't need to talk about that. Right. What we do need to do is take a quick break. And, uh, and and thank our sponsor. But when we come back, we will announce our short story contest winner. 
Very exciting. Mm-hmm. And then run through this week's uh, assortment of holy crap, did you see that moments. So uh, that'll be right after the break. Thanks for listening. Please stick around. I can't stand. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, we always want to recommend a book, and this week, uh, Jason, I think there's one you particularly would like to talk about. Uh, I would. This is a re-recommendation. A re-reco, it's one a that re-re- I recommended, if I'm Yeah, re-recommendation saying. from a Chris recommendation that we recommended on our recommendation earlier. Uh, <laughs> this is The Martian by Andy Weir. Cool. So you uh, you listened to the the Martian, right? I did. Yeah, loved it. So actually. I listened to it, and uh, when I started listening to it, from the probably from about thirteen to fourteen seconds into it, uh, I was hooked, and I didn't want to stop. I actually, at some points, I actually just went and sat down and listened to this book, which I never do. Usually, I wait until I'm doing something that makes it appropriate. But I uh, unequivocally, and I just love this book. It was fantastic. From the get-go right to the end. The Martian by Andy Weir. So really quickly, it's about a an astronaut who is on a team um, on a mission to Mars. And yeah, they're supposed to be mission. there for a, a certain amount of time. But something goes wrong and he ends up being stranded there. That's right. And that's and really all we'll get into. But uh, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. His, his the style, the writing, the story, uh, everything about it is uh, is really, 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 really good. <laughs> All right. That's a lot of release. <laughs> if that doesn't make you want to check it out, I don't know what will. <laughs> um, so that's cool. The Martian by Andy Weir. If you want to check that out, go over to audibletrial.com slash talking dead. That's audibletrial.com slash talking dead for The Martian by Andy Weir or any other free audiobook. Jason, it is the time everyone's been waiting for, or at least uh, 
some people have been waiting for. <laughs> Others, not so much. Others, not so much. We are now ready and about to announce our short story contest winner, just in case you know you haven't uh, heard we all summer long during the walking dead's hiatus we ran a contest where people would send in short stories 1000 words or less and we decided that we'd accept them all year or all summer long and then choose our favorite and that uh, favorite the author of the our favorite story would get a great prize an uh, original daryl dixon comic done by friend of the show dave and autographed by norman reedus um, along with is the it, Walking Dead t-shirt and a couple other things. So uh, we now have that winner. Is it a great prize or is it a grand prize? It is both. It is both. It is a great grand prize. It is a great and a grand prize, if nice. you ask me. It's definitely the grand prize, and I think it's pretty great. I think it's cool. I think these stories were great. Oh, yeah. We got a ton of good entries. It was so much fun reading them all, um, you know, and just... And just seeing what things, you know, people came up with. I think, you know, I'm going to post the winner's story and we'll likely post some of the other ones as well. Um, but I think it was interesting that we got more than one story about um, about the hitchhiker from season yep. three, which I thought was interesting, trying to tell his backstory a little bit. Those were good, yeah. We got, a, you know, we got a number of stories. I don't have the that's in front of me but some of them were walking dead related specifically some weren't at all most of them were zombie and or apocalypse apocalyptic type type stories mm -hmm. which wasn't part of the rules but i kind of assumed that's a lot of what we would get which is totally cool um and uh it was just it was just really fun so i don't know we might do this again next year or come up with another uh, similar type contest I'm not so sure but it was it was it was a lot of fun and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone that sent in stories and uh, you know in my mind you are all winners you are and the hardest part I had with this whole story contest was narrowing down my favorites yeah like, it, I had a very difficult time uh, coming up with a uh, you know Narrowing down my favorites to, to to finally for us to pick a winner, it was it was a very difficult process. It was there was there was a lot to consider. There were a lot of them that I really really liked, and uh, it was tough. So there was you, there was me, and there was Adam, who's uh, a listener who kind of had the whole idea for this contest way back last year, and we worked with him to to make it happen. So we were all basically judges. And uh, got together and decided on our favorite. And we're ready to announce the winner right now. Right now. I can't believe we've gotten to this point. So uh, you're a drummer. Do you want to do a drum roll? Ooh, listen to that. Can you hear it? I can hear it. I don't know if anyone else can. Anyways, the winner of the 2013 The Talking Dead Short Story Contest is Deadhead by Lawrence Trokey. Congratulations, Lawrence. It, uh, you are the winner. You will receive our the great grand prize, and I'll be in touch. For anyone that wants to read the story, I'm going to post it on our site later this week, and uh, I'll let people know on Twitter and Facebook and stuff too, so you can come and check it out. And as we go on through season four, I think it would be appropriate to post um, some of the other stories that we really loved as well. And That'd so awesome. we, we can get them out there. But congratulations, Lawrence. Your story, Deadhead, is our winner. And uh, as I said, I'll be in touch to um, 
get the prize out to you and uh, you can go and tell all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing we had three judges too, because uh, I don't think we could have uh, we could have been able to choose if there was just you and me. Yeah, it would have come down to blows probably. Yeah, and nobody wants to uh, nobody wants that to happen. No, I would cry. You would hit me and I would cry. <laughs> and then you, your wife would hit me and I would probably cry. <laughs> don't punch my husband. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, all right. Congratulations. Thanks to everyone that entered. We'll do it again next year, I hope. But right now, we will do this. Holy crap. Did you see that? Holy crap. Did you see that? The first segment uh, that we have done since season three ended. And uh, it's good to be back. So uh, here we go, Jason. Amanda from London sent, When Patrick turned into a walker in the end, holy crap, how creepy did he look? Overall, it felt like the entire episode was creepier than anything we have seen before. The lady in the woods, the bleeding eyes, etc. If this is the new direction the show is going in, even though it pains me because I know I'll be petrified while watching it, I like it. <laughs> so uh, creepy, creepy. You know, and a lot of people are mentioning these bleeding eyes, so I think you may be onto something here. You're not the only one that noticed it. True. Very good. James in Pittsburgh writes, My holy crap moment has to be, Holy crap, was this supposed to be good? After months <laughs> of limited dead-related news and a fairly decent season four trailer, we were treated to an hour of minimally implied backstory for the between-seasons time jump, Three characters with zero history, two who died, and one with the most out-of-place accent in Atlanta, and 50 shades of crappy romance. Harsh, man. Harsh, James. Harsh. Um, I, if you've been listening to this podcast, clearly don't agree necessarily. I think they did a fine job of uh, bridging the gap with some of the little things they sprinkled in there. Um, and... You know, she may have had an out-of-place accent for Atlanta, but some people are just Irish, and she was on her way somewhere else. So it's not, you know, inconceivable that she would be there. But anyways, I guess not everyone can, can like the episode, so... No. That's the way it goes. That's a shame. Sarah from BC writes, My holy crap, did you see that moment, was... Was it just me, or was the kid at the end, when his eyes opened up, they looked to be gouged in? They looked to be blood seeping from his eyes and when he opened them up they looked like they were super bloody now she goes on to speculate that somebody gouged his eyes out rather than just uh bleeding from the eyes but i don't know that there would have been time for that to happen in the shower there because he no. walked in he walked in alive collapsed and woke up what seemed like almost immediately uh with his eyes bleeding out well what was the timing did they like they showed the water uh, dripping and dripping and then stopping and then and then immediately they showed uh, they showed him and lying down in the shower. I think there well I think there was one shot in between just a random situational shot of the prison at night like inside somewhere but the same night of course and so then they cut it's right back possible. to possible yeah, just not probable yeah it's possible that there was some time in there or enough time for someone to go in and gouge his eyes out but I think based on the zombie at the fence with the bleeding eyes and all of the animal stuff we saw, I think we can Im infer that this is just something new, that, you know, Patrick got sick, it causes ocular bleeding, and right. uh, 
that's what happened. I don't know that there's anybody going around gouging eyes out, but you never know. This show has, we've certainly been wrong about this stuff before, so. Hmm. Uh, Tracy in Seattle and Rich in Okinawa sent in sort of the same one. Rich said, my holy crap moment came at the end of the episode when Patrick was obviously ill. I flashed back to the beginning of the episode when he shook hands with Daryl. Daryl licked his fingers, then shook hands with Patrick. If I remember correctly, Patrick yeah. Patrick took over cooking for the rest of the camp right after. I oh think this God. is the beginning of an epidemic. At least I hope this is how it plays out. Oh my God, it's all Daryl's fault. Daryl had it on his hands, or in him anyways, passed it to Patrick. Patrick takes over cooking, so now it's in the food. And uh, Patrick's dead. And what the hell's going to happen? Oh my that's very, very bad. It's very bad. And and good connecting the dots here, Rich, of, you know, Patrick and Daryl shaking hands and then cooking. Yeah. Things <clears> could <throat> things could not be going very well here. Never more than ever do we need a <laughs> CDC in the area. Yes, <laughs> seriously. And that's the one building they blew up. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wasn't thinking. <laughs> that's terribly, terribly unfortunate. Matt from New Jersey and Naomi from Washington again uh, sent in a similar one. And Naomi said, my moment was when they were in the big spot and the walkers were falling from the ceiling. There was one particularly gruesome walker. When it crash landed and splashed on the floor, it began to rise again. Its skin and skull were stuck to the floor, which did nothing to slow it down because as it rose, it peeled the back of its head off, leaving the brain exposed and continued on its way. Gross. <laughs> that, yeah, that was particularly nasty. There were some, yeah, some really, really disgusting zombie rain in that scene. You know, just bags of blood hitting the ground or, you know, skulls hitting the floor and staying there. And, yeah. you know, not to mention Bob's, like, finger into the brain maneuver. maneuver so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some really Greg good Nicotero stuff. really outdid himself in this episode. I think. I know he was the director. Don't forget. So even better. He, you know, he had all the freedom to to just go wild. Um, Mike from West Virginia says, "My holy crap! Did you see that moment? Came right before they went into the big spot store. Where did those legs magically come from? Continuity." When they were talking about Daryl's previous occupation, the legs weren't there. Then Bob stumbles upon them as they are going in. And uh, I went and looked. Mike's right. Those legs are not there. Hmm. And then they are. Um, and as you said, when the camera pans up, you see the torso uh, of of a walker up there that doesn't have legs. So you kind of assume that his legs fell off or something like that happened. It's just sort of funny that, yeah, the legs aren't there and then we cut right away and they are. I thought maybe because yeah. they dragged a couple of bodies out of the store that they lured to the front, remember? And maybe, yeah. you know, maybe the legs tore off or something like that, but you don't see that happen. It's just suddenly they're there. So bit of a, one of those things. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's a continuity error. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Danny in the UK writes, after the crazy lady killed herself, I'm sure as Rick was walking away, he was carrying the sandwich that he gave to her. <laughs> This brings a whole new meaning to the famous quote, waste not, want not. <laughs> so he gives her the sandwich. She never eats it. She kills herself. He takes the sandwich back. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Good work, Rick. Why waste a perfectly good sandwich? Well, you'd never do that. No, no, never, absolutely. Ever. <laughs> and very important. And finally, uh, oh no, two more. On our Facebook page, Andrew 
sent me a message. He said, holy crap, did you see that moment uh, of the night? Oh, my holy crap, did you see that moment of the night has to be the blood bag zombie that fell through the roof of the big spot and exploded into a pile of blood and entrails. Amazing zombie kill, best I've seen in four seasons. So uh, Andrew really enjoyed that one. And also on Facebook, Stephanie says, holy crap, did you see Lady Gaga in the woods? Oh, wait, I mean Clara. <laughs> so her name her name was Clara. Clara, she's uh, Lady Gaga. Um, all right, Jason, we haven't done our own holy craps in a while, uh, but I have one. Do you have one? I have one. Well, yeah, I have an unobvious one. The zombie that fell through and was hanging by his entrails. Yeah, that's that, that was, was uh, that was quite excellent. Pretty good. I have one of those um, sort of background things that I noticed in this this episode. It's a little thing, but it's one of those attention to detail moments that I thought I uh, that I sometimes pick out when the okay. camera pans up to the roof and you see the zombies walking around and the helicopters there. If you look closely, you can just see an arm sticking out of the uh, cockpit of the helicopter. You can't see anything yeah. else but the arm, and then the arm lifts up and kind of waves and then goes down again, <laughs> and the camera moves a bit and the arm lifts up again. So they had somebody in that cockpit just as a zombie arm <laughs> waving at the camera kind of nice. saying, here I am. <laughs> and... I don't know. I just thought that was sort of a fun attention to detail moment right there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. So pretty good. Um, all righty. So everybody, holy crap, did you see that? Anything you notice in the episode that's hilarious, different, unusual, whatever, uh, just that you made you say, holy crap, did you see that? Send it in to us. We'd love to get them on the show, and uh, we try to cram in as many as we can. So make sure you send those in. Um, so there you have it, Jason. Season four has begun. Finally. We, finally. We are back to our regular schedule. We'll be plowing through the next seven weeks as the uh, first half of this season goes off. And uh, that's that. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode, though. Cool. If you want to get in touch with us, give us a call on the Zombline, 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 9662. Please don't forget that it is closed between... Um, 9 p.m. and midnight on Sunday nights so that people for AMC's show talk called Talking Dead stop calling us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And, of course, you can send any email correspondence to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. One other thing, which we haven't mentioned in a while, is that we would really, really love it if you would go over to iTunes, find us there, and uh, give us a review. The more we can get there, the better, and those do have an influence on whether or not you get featured in the iTunes store, a big influence, as I understand. Mm -hmm. So by all means, go to iTunes, give us a review. Hopefully you like what we're doing, and you'll do a, do a five-star review there. But to be honest, an honest review is is valuable too. So please do that. That would be fantastic. Don't forget, we got some shirts available. Finally, go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash shirts to check them out. If you want to get one of those, that would be fantastic. We will be at Walker Stalker Con in, uh, gosh, weeks. not even, in two weeks or just over two weeks. It's exciting. So if you're going to be there, we will see you there. We'll probably have some goodies and giveaways to hand out there as well. We'll be on the podcasters panel, so make sure you come to that. So there's an awful lot of exciting stuff going on in the Talking Dead universe. 
in the next uh, little while. Mm-hmm. And we not will to be... mention, not, you know, the least of which is the show is on the air. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The least <laughs> of which. <laughs> no, that's the main thing. That's the main yes. thing. It's back. And uh, I must admit, it feels good to be doing like a regular podcast episode again. You know, this was, this was a lot of fun. So cool. Um, thank you, everybody. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Bye.